All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. Hello, America, and happy Thursday, the second day after the still hanging election of 2022. That's right. Nevada, Arizona, still up for grabs. Many seats, including those in California, including the Los Angeles mayor's race, are unsettled, unresolved two days after election. Makes you wonder a little bit about something that pollster Scott Rasmussen told us in our television show last night. 80% of Americans want to have ballots in and counted on election day. They don't like overtime elections. And I guess we're getting another dose of that today. It's wonder why someone hasn't started a movement to address that. Well, we've got two great guests today. It is AMAC Thursday. I love this. We always get a great guest from AMAC and we have a great conversation. Andy Mangione, who runs AMAC's action arm, its grassroots army arm, he's going to join us later in the show to tell us about what he saw as a poll observer. He was in Kentucky, but AMAC sent people all across the country on a extraordinary poll watching poll volunteering army thousands of people volunteering for such duty around this great country compliments of amac so we're going to get an update from him and also what he saw in the results and we're going to start the day talking to our good friend cash patel former advisor to president trump former chief investigator for the House Intelligence Committee, when it unraveled the Russia collusion bogus narrative. He's going to give us a quick update on all the things election he saw and what Republicans do going forward with the coalition that they'll have. They'll have a, looks like a slight majority in the House. Senate could be 51-49 one way or 50-50 with Kamala Harris again being the time break. We won't know that for a couple of days. But right now, in fact, we may not know that until December because the Georgia election race is going to go to overtime there. But we're going to start with Cash Patel. We're going to go to Andy Mangione. We're going to have a great conversation on both of those fronts, and I can't wait to to have that conversation. A couple of things just to get you up on speed on, and also, as you know, we love having our daily introduction to one of our very important sponsors today. It's AMAC, right? Because it's AMAC Thursday. If you want to join AMAC like I have, I took the five-year membership. It's one of the best deals you'll ever get. It'll pay for itself multiple times over with discounts, with insurance programs you can get and products. And of course, with the incredible news and intelligence and 
advocacy information that you get from AMAC. Uh, all you got to do is go to AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News, AMAC dot U-S slash Just News. You're going to get a special discount on your membership. And remember, when you support AMAC, you're supporting Just the News. They're one of our sponsors, one of our strategic partners, one of our advertisers. They make this show. They make what we do on the television show. They make what we do every day on justthenews.com possible, like all of our great advertisers and sponsors. So when you go and you sign up for AMAC, you're helping bless and support Just the News. And that's one of the many reasons why we ask folks to do that. All right. So a quick run through the headlines. I think there's been a couple of interesting developments that are catching attention. I mentioned the story that our good friend, Scott Rasmussen, man, that 80% of Americans believe we should get our ballots in, even if they're early mailed, by election day and only count those that come in. And I think that that's an important development in the outcome of these sort of discussions. People have not been talking about this for some time, but 80% of Americans, it's rare that we agree on anything at that level. Where we do agree on it, voter ID. We saw how well that worked in Georgia, Florida, other places. Kentucky works great there. But in all of those 80% issues, usually there's an execution to get it done. Why hasn't someone begun the process of beginning a national movement to make sure that ballots are in and counted on election day and not having a three to five to seven to nine day overtime run on these things? Pretty interesting question to ask, right? All right. Some other headlines that I'd like to take a look at. There's a hanging election in Colorado. Lauren Boebert was down for most of the time, but with 98% of the vote in now, she has a slight lead. And that is something we're going to be keeping an eye on. The other big development that we're going to keep an eye on in Los Angeles, remember the story of the CEO of voting company that was charged They've dropped that case against that CEO of the voting software company on charges that he stored election info in China. They did it this week. Pretty interesting development in the course of this to see that happen. It doesn't happen very often to see such a prominent case have the charges dropped. But the L.A. District Attorney's Office said there were concerns about both the pace of the investigation and potential bias in the presentation of the charges. So that's why they dropped the charges against Eugene Yu, the CEO of the election software company, Conic. That's an interesting development. Didn't see that one coming. A lot of people didn't, but that's why prosecutors follow the evidence, right? And hopefully that's what they've done. Hopefully we'll have that in a more better understanding of that over the next couple of days as we do reporting on that. Very important story all around on that. That is about all that we have in the breaking news right now. It's been kind of a regular day. So let's not waste any more time. We'll get right to the conversations with our two guests. Cash Patel, and Andy Mangioni back to back right after this commercial break. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully 
help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, Thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Our next guest, one of my favorite, you know that I'm a sucker. I love this guy. Every time he comes on, we make news, we break news, we understand what's really going on. And he's a children's book author, great investigator, the guy who unraveled Russia collusion. He put bad guys in prison, defended people as a public defender. And oh, in his spare time, he took care of some really bad terrorists and knocked them off the place of the planet while working for President Trump with the National Security Council. And then was chief of staff at at the Pentagon. If that doesn't give it away, you know who it is. It's Cash Patel. Cash, welcome back to the show. John, thanks so much for having me. And it's uh, really glad to be with you this week after the uh, midterm election cycle. I know we're still awaiting a lot of things to come in, but um, pretty, pretty exciting time. Yeah, it looks like Republicans are going to end up kind of where people thought, maybe a little smaller, but not. Listen, there was only one mission in this election, and that was to create a block to the Biden agenda. And that, that's been accomplished. But I wanted to get, you know, one of the Fun things. Again, I, another hat you wear that you wear it so well. You've been out there really working the campaign trail, and that's a whole new side to your repertoire. You really got to connect with voters in places like Nevada and Arizona. What is the sentiment about the future of the Republican Party? When you talk to real Americans, take all of the fake Washington Beltway people out, what do you hear from everyday Americans, and what does it portend about the 2024 election? 
Yeah, being on the campaign trail in so many states for so many of President Trump's candidates, but I spent a lot of time at home in Nevada and next door in Arizona just because, you know, these two states where I've always said were critical to winning back the majorities, and it looks like that that's going to be the way it unfolds. And what people have said across these states and, and a few others that I've been in is, yeah, not just the uh, national issues of national security, of crime, of narcotics, of health care, but it's the economic issues on the kitchen table that um, the candidates out here, like Adam Laxalt and Lombardo and Carrie Lake and Blake Masters even, um, who were able to sink those issues to everyday matters uh, around voters in these states out west. And I think that's why you see the difference here versus what you're looking at in Pennsylvania. Um, you know, it's not that, um, yes, Fetterman was a terrible candidate, but I don't, I just don't think we did a good job connecting to the Pennsylvania voting bloc about more than general national issues. And that's, that's where we missed there. Well, I've talked to a lot of people in the last 48 hours, and that really is the analysis. When I first got into politics, one of my first editors said, hey, all elections are local except when they're not. And that's a really good piece of advice, which is this was one of those places where Oz is kind of an outsider. He's not from Pennsylvania originally. He kind of talked the MAGA national talk, but he really wasn't that versant in Pennsylvania. And I think Fetterman got both a sympathy vote plus a lot, six, five, six hundred thousand people voted before they got to see how affected he was from his stroke. And so he kind of slips in that early vote more favorably, which might have negatively affected him if the bait is earlier. There's ticket splitting that goes on. You look at the difference between DeWine and J.D. Vance, Johnson and Michael in Wisconsin. It seems to me that American voters as a whole want to fire Democrats, but in some cases they didn't find that Republican they wanted to connect to in one of the key races. I mean, Ron Johnson, they like, all right, we know him, he's good, he's in. But this guy, Michael, I don't know, didn't quite connect with me. What is going on there and how do Republicans fix that for 2024? Because the ticket splitting this year is probably the most pronounced I've seen it in a long time. Yeah, look, I was talking to a dear friend of mine, Matt Boyle, who you know well, and we were trying to we were trying to do the the ninja gymnastics on this one, and you know I think it's a little bit of the following as he said it's uh, it's hard to knock out an incumbent um, anywhere, and the Democrats had incumbents in places like Michigan and Pennsylvania and elsewhere that are just hard to knock off because people get to the voting booths and they're just not as engaged as everyone like you and I are, so they just say, okay, my life hasn't changed good or bad, I'm just going to go with this guy. But I think that more, and then coupled with the following, which the following is more so than anything else, we just missed on connecting with those voters. We did not get out there and do a good enough job about going in and saying, how do we specifically help you and your family on an everyday basis? Not just the community, you know, it's a big picture talk, of course, the border, community, security, crime and drugs and law enforcement and the military, but you have to tell these people how we are going to impact their daily lives for the better. And I think we did a little bit of a miss on that one, um, which cost us a little bit. Um, and I also think we did not message on abortion well at all, and the Democrats did. And at the end of the day, the, the, the state like Pennsylvania, you know, you can run whatever kind of campaign you want. But if, we, if you don't message on abortion, and we didn't, and they did, that's the difference. What do you think going forward, the message on abortion is the right one for Republicans to take? Because after inflation, abortion showed up number two as a driving force, and it clearly was the the difference maker in some of the close states. And of course, New York, several states had abortion 
ballot initiatives, which brought out that vote even stronger. But what do you think is the 2024 message that Republicans need to coalesce around when it comes to abortion? Well, I think everybody knows that most conservatives are pro, pro-life, and that's never going to change. But you hit the nail on the head. The issue they have to coalesce around is the fact that Roe versus Wade was not overturned. And that, that messaging campaign was hijacked by the Democrats, of course, when they leaked false, you know, uh, maybe unlawfully, but at least improperly, the uh, draft opinion. And they got the narrative out there that the, the, the evil Republican empire was overturning Roe versus Wade. Well, we were, what the Supreme Court actually ended up doing was is constitutional, which I agree with is it's a state's right decision. And I think we need to hammer that. Whatever your position on abortion may be, if you want to win that middle block of the electorate, there's a lot of conservatives, a lot of moderate Republicans who are pro-choice. And we have to highlight that that is a state's rights issue and not a federal government issue. And that's what was uh, pointed out by the Supreme Court decision. It was not an overturning of it. We need to message on that properly because we can't get into these fiery debates on it's got to be binary. I understand that people and, you know, and then there's a lot of folks, John, even in the conservative world who believe in the exceptions on the on the abortion side, you know, for rape or incest or something like that. And so those are messages that we need to go much harder on, much stronger on, and make sure we tell people in the separate states that the federal government is not going to invade their state's right decision on abortion, whatever the state law is. And I think that's where we have to just swing so much harder, and we just didn't. And I'm not really sure who's responsible for failing on that messaging, um, but we didn't do what we needed to do there. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, that is a clear one. And uh, the Democrats find, listen, the Democrats are pretty good at what they do. I think another place that we see a margin maker, and it's particularly clear in the Fetterman race, uh, the Democrat, the, the, there is an absentee mail-in voting system in some of these states, and Republicans stubbornly won't use it because they don't think it's the right way to go. But you're basically unilaterally disarming when you do that, and Fetterman just proves it. Democrats can get more low propensity voters out in the states where there's mail-in ballots than Republicans can. And I think that needs to be until it's changed, right? If you want to, if you don't like the system, change it, but you don't, Ronald Reagan would say, don't unilaterally disarm if it is the law. Change the law until then. You got to play by the rules. Do you think in 2024, Republicans are more aggressive about mail-in balloting as long as it remains legal? As long as it remains legal, yeah. Look, it's the way it is for a lot of people in a lot of states. And, you know, unless we can completely change the the voting electorate landscape, then we have to go with, at least in piecemeal, a part of what's there. And I get the fact that, you know, Republicans traditionally show up at the polls on the day of. But, you know, the way we live our lives has changed drastically. People live across the country, travel uh, endlessly for work. A lot of people are overseas. And so the Democratic Party has captured the mail-in ballot system to their advantage. Whether you agree or disagree with it, where it's legal, the Democratic Party has taken advantage of that system. And I, for one, don't believe that we should just jettison that system in its entirety because they said it's okay. If we can use it to garner votes, then what's wrong with that? If we can use the garner votes lawfully and win these races and take out a Fetterman, who's probably the worst candidate across the country for any office, then why wouldn't we do that? And I'm, you know, prepared to have that conversation as we go forward here, as we turn towards 2024. You know, and I do remind people that for, if you're not in politics and you know this well, this was not our GOP year in terms of the electorate that was up. 
2024 is a much easier year for Republicans. And and so we need to just take advantage of that. And I also think we just sat back on our bridges a little too much and all this red wave talk and all that stuff. And people were just like, okay, well, everybody's going to win. And that was the failure. And, you know, part of it's on me. The part of the failure was we forget, we did not connect the national level stuff we were talking about, which everybody agrees with us, crime, drugs, um, security, economy, and all that stuff. We just didn't connect it to the voters who don't pay attention to that stuff to their everyday lives, which is what they pay attention to. And and I think we have to focus on that. Uh, we have to more than double down on that argument, on that position. And, and uh, you know, we're, we'll, get, we'll get back out there as soon as we call these races out here in Nevada for Adam Laxalt and Carrie Lake next door and hopefully even Blake. And look, I keep telling people, when, when we call Adam's races, I think he's going to win in Carrie's and Lombardo. And if we pick up Blake, you know, we're at 51 before the Georgia runoff. Any any way we got the 51 in this cycle was a massive win. Um, and I think we'll come up a few shorter on the House side than we anticipated. But again, it's because we got lazy and, and we didn't run the best campaigns and or candidates in some races. Um, but then there were some really good races ran. Like you have to look at the state of New York. I know my friend and our friend Lee Zeldin lost, but he's single-handedly responsible along with Lee Stefanik for picking up what three or four house seats that were Dems. And we, and then we ousted Maloney. In March of 2020, if five, 600,000 people don't flee New York or all Republicans and go to the South, Zeldin probably wins that race. Yeah, no, no, you're, I mean, look, Zeldin lost by five points in New York. That is, you know, and I was, and I was talking to him earlier, messaging him earlier from, and I'm from New York to, 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 by five points is like in any other states, like by winning by five points. I mean that he closed the gap so much in the state of New York, I remind people, um, which hasn't been read in decades, is a monumental achievement. And that led directly to us picking up the seat that we would never thought we would pick up. And we ousted guys like Maloney and company, the D triple C chair. I don't think people realize he's the, that basically means he's the biggest money man in the Democratic Party. And we just put him aside. <laughs> it's amazing. All right. There's a aftermath now. Now everybody's got to figure out where do we go from here in November and December are important to Republicans. The first one I ask about is Ronna McDaniel. Is she the right person for the RNC going forward or is it time for a leadership change there? You know, look, I personally know Ronna, so I might be a little biased on this one. That, that, is, the, that is the hardest job in politics, save maybe for the presidency. And um, I don't, I always have critiques of the RNC when I think we failed um, nationally. And I think I also have a lot of good things to say about what Rana did and raising money and getting a lot of the candidates out there. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to weigh in on that because that, that decision is just for the Republican party to make. And essentially effectively it'll come down to the next president's presumptive nominee and probably president Trump. So um, if he's got confidence in her, she'll stay. If not, um, you know, there'll be a, there'll be a sea change. And I don't know, I'm not calling for it. Um, I just don't know. I think I have to do a little more analysis on how the RNC played in these midterms. Yeah, there'll be a lot of conversation. There's a, uh, a committee meeting today at 2 o'clock, so I think Rana will get her first feedback from the 168 state committee people that make up the RNC. Ron DeSantis crushes Florida. Marco Rubio crushes Florida. Florida is not a battleground state anymore. It is a clear red state. Part of it is all those Northerners that fled for freedom in sunny Florida. Part of it is Latinos moved in a big way. Miami-Dade wins. The fact that Florida is a sure thing for Republicans over the next few elections 
probably changes the electoral math and makes it a lot more difficult for Democrats to figure out where they can pick up extra votes, right? Well, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, we shouldn't go to sleep on it. But it's, it's a great result in the Sunshine State where I used to live for eight years. But if we can force Democrats to spend and spend and spend in Florida, then they can't spend in other places like Ohio and Georgia and, you know, Nevada and Arizona, which is kind of what we need. They do that to us. So there's no reason we shouldn't do that to them. We should make sure that we, we tell them Florida's in play for Democrats. Spend your money down here. And then we got to go down there and dominate because at the end of the day, there's only so much resources and time. And if they've, they've done that to us, they've divided us into certain states where we know we couldn't have it. And, and why can't we do that to them? So I will tell everyone that'll listen. Florida is in play for the Democrats. Make them go down there and make them contest every seat in every statewide office and spend hundreds of millions down there. We need that. What a smart strategy. That is exactly the right strategy. It looks like the Senate could very well come down to another runoff in Georgia. Deja vu all over again. Can Donald Trump, Brian Kemp, Ron DeSantis, and all of the titans of the party get Herschel Walker over the line? Come together, all the bygones, all of the 2024 ambitions aside, could all three of those men and others like them Get down there and get Herschel Walker over and defeat and give the 5149 Senate to Republicans. What's your assessment? Can those guys work together and do it? Well, that's what needs to happen. Those guys got to come in together and put up a unified front to stop Joe Biden's um, machine uh, that's destroying this country. And I think if they do come together, at least around Herschel Walker, then we can pick out the votes um, necessary to have him win in 60 days. But that's going to be a Senate race runoff that'll probably cost $500 million. And, um, you know, we have to go all in with everybody, um, not cutting against each other. And, I, you know, you know the guys you named, President Trump, Governor Sanders, and company are going to come in big. And if we can uh, project a unified front, I think for Herschel's case, it will help a lot. And with Kemp winning in the fashion that he did and blowing aside Stacey Abrams and her, her, her war chest. And he was outspent by zillions. Hundreds of millions. And so that, I think, you know, Kemp coming in behind all these folks to say, look, I'm, I'm the new governor. Um, and this is our, going to be our next senator might bring enough people over that voted for him that didn't initially vote for Herschel in the runoff. And I think that's how, that's how we got to go about it. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. All right. So Republicans are going to have the house. There's a lot of investigating to do. There's a lot of policy that has to be done on the policy side. It starts with fixing the border, the budget, inflation. On the investigative side, you've always been really clear, but it's now that we've got people like you're going to have a James Comer, you're going to have a Jim Jordan. You've got some of the best investigators, present company accepted, obviously, because you did such a great job with Devin Nunes. But you've got you got a hot shot team of investigators. And if the Republicans win, you're going to have a Ron, John and Grassley back together in business. Where should they start? Where is the biggest impact for the American people? Where can they win for some oversight early on? FBI and DOJ has to be number one. The two-tier system of justice that these radical left Democrats and their government gangsters have created, be it from Russiagate to January 6th to impeachment to what we're seeing now in the political prosecution of people who stood up for America First priorities or what happened to the January 6th detainees. All of these unequal systems of justice have to be stopped. Now we have the FBI whistleblowers like Kyle Serafin and company coming out in droves and telling us that the FBI is lying to the American public in Congress, falsely labeling people domestic violent extremists, removing field agents from child sex crimes 
so they can prosecute and kidnap and, and take down child sex offenders instead. Um, they are giving um, these case uh, statistics falsely to the Washington Bureau head office and Chris Ray, so they can uh, go to Congress and lie, which I believe he did. Got to start there. We got to go to Fauci. That's a must. The guy lied to America and the world about China virus, its origin. And we don't have a full handle on this pandemic of how we're going to treat it long term, right? I mean, we're still wrestling it. And so that those are the two investigations I start with, and the third one is the border. You know, we have to shut down the fentanyl and the cartels and so i'd start the you know but if we do those three things that's a lot um that's a lot of work and i don't there's no one committee that can do it um i know that i see intelligence community needs reform and i know i wrote an op-ed last week about running a new church style committee uh, to reform the entire IC, but that's a long-term so separate committee process that needs to run on a parallel track. This is a moment in November, December, where two years of history gets set it out first. Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, do they get in? As well? McCarthy seems like he's almost certainly going to get in. What's your take on Mitch McConnell? Yeah, look, I think I think it's going to stay at least for these next two years that way. Kevin's going to be the Speaker of the House. I just don't see anyone else coming in with the amount of votes necessary to do it in, in the leadership position to challenge him. And then Mitch McConnell is probably going to ride out these last two years before he hands that gavel off. Um, I just don't think enough people have come out in the Senate um, to say they'll vote against McConnell. And McConnell back candidates, you have to look at the reality of the day, they did pretty well last night um, from North Carolina to Wisconsin to uh, 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 to the other races that uh, Missouri and whatnot. And so these guys that are coming back or coming in for the first time are going to, um, you know, probably stick with McConnell at least these next two years. We'll see what happens after that. But I think there needs within the Republican caucus and the Senate in these next two years to say, what is our new version of leadership look like when we have a favorable map? and then chart out, a, chart out a new course from there. Yeah, pretty darn interesting to watch. There's no doubt about it. Cash, you're doing so many important things. Fight with Cash is one of them. If people want to get involved and help fight cancel culture and the unfair destruction of people's personal reputations, like what happened to President Trump, you, all the people who were attacked, how do people get involved with Fight with Cash? Yeah, fight, thanks so much. Fightwithcash.com, fightwithcash.com with a K. We've got some great holiday merch coming out. And as I, you know, all the, all the money goes right back to the 501c3 charity. We're cutting checks for whistleblowers. We're cutting checks for people who've been defamed. And I actually shot a note to Vinman on Truth Social. I, I know you saw this uh, because you reported it, but Vinman's case um, uh, got tossed by an Obama judge um, that he brought against Don Jr. and company. And I had a polite note to him. I said, hey, if you want to learn how to file lawsuits, go to fightwithcash.com. And, uh, you know, but, then, you know, but this is what happens when they trade on lies. And uh, we're trying to help people who have been affected and impacted by these lies at fightwithcash.com. So uh, go out there, get the content for free. Help us out if you want. Stay up to date. And uh, we've got some great Christmas merch. Uh, the merchandise is flying off the shelves. And all of that goes right back to the trust. And, uh, and you can uh, get a, we've got a holiday package actually. I haven't announced it's releasing this week on the Plot Against the King series. We're putting the books together. One and two, we've got some fun mugs and ornaments all going out for the holidays. So check us out at plotagainsttheking.com. It's still the number one children's book, even though Google just banned our entire ad campaign last week. 
uh, because they said we were putting out false information. How about that? Huh? Well, yeah. uh, Google <laughs> we'll would know that. a thing or two about false information since they've done some of their own. Well, it's uh, pretty amazing to, to see the success of your children. And you know, one of the things you've shown, Cash, I think it's really fascinating. You don't need the tech titans. You've been able to work around them and still be incredibly <laughs> effective in sales and that's messaging and organizing. Yeah, that's it. A parallel economy, which I know you've been right at the center of for a long time. Great honor to have you on, my friend. A lot of work ahead for this country, but pretty clear that we've got the next two years to at least put a stop on some of the things that Americans are most concerned about in Washington. Great to have you in the show today. Thanks so much, John. Have a great week, and I'm sure we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thank you, my friend. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Andy Mangione will be with us. Hey, two quick things that just came up as we were talking. Maricopa County and Arizona, well, they have started a hand-count audit to go and review the final 400,000 ballots that haven't been counted yet. So they're going to a hand audit. I don't know why, but that's going on in Maricopa County right now. That is a big development. And then this came out of an interesting exit poll. The Republicans did well with most demographics, not so much with young voters, but there was one remarkable disparity that has caught a lot of people's attention. And that's why I want to bring it up just quickly, because I don't think a lot of people saw this percentage coming. It's always been a slight advantage for Democrats, but this one takes it to a new level. 70% of unmarried women, 70% of unmarried females voted Democrat in House races this last election. Married men and married women and unmarried men were more likely to vote Republican, but 70% of unmarried females leaned the Democratic way. There's a gap If Republicans ever want to catch up, that's a gap they got to close. And that's a big number, interesting number. And I assume abortion is one of the many issues that weighs into that. But still, an interesting factor we got. All right. When we come back, Andy Mangione from AMAC will be joining us right after this. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. 
All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. It is AMAC Thursday. You know that. We have that every Thursday. We love our partnership with all the great folks at AMAC. And we have so much to talk about because AMAC and its army of volunteers were on the front lines at all the polls this past weekend elections, ensuring election integrity, ensuring people exercised their civic duty, making sure it was easy to vote and hard to cheat. We're going to get a special report on just how that went from our good friend, Andy Mangione, Senior Vice President for AMAC's Advocacy Arm, AMAC Action. Andy, great to have you back on the show. My pleasure, John. Thank you. It was a robust election, and uh, like the last couple, it's still going on. Uh, We're going to be counting votes for a few more days. But you yourself and many of the executives at AMAC and AMAC Action were out there right alongside the AMAC Army volunteers. What did you see on the front lines? Well, thank you, John. Uh, Myself, our president, uh, AMAC Action President Bob Carlstrom, our vice president for operations, Jennifer Bankston, We all worked our local precincts. Uh, I was in Kentucky, in the Louisville area. Uh, Bob was in Maryland, uh, Gaithersburg, I think is that area. And Jennifer was in Central Florida, in her little town of Mount Dora, uh, which is north of Orlando. And what we saw, all three of us saw over the top uh, turnout. It was incredible. Uh, We were nonstop. This was my first election. In fact, it was our first election working for all three of us. And I was talking to veterans in our precinct that had veteran poll workers, I should say, that had uh, worked, you know, for 20 years they were working these elections and they had never seen a midterm turnout ever, like what we experienced on Tuesday throughout the day. And Jennifer and Bob, they, they saw the same thing. And what's really interesting, all the places where voter integrity was either really good already or improved, like Georgia, Florida, Texas, more people voted. It completely debunks a lie that by requiring someone to have a voter ID, you're going to suppress a vote. Just the opposite. People seem to have more confidence in the places where those provisions are in, and it creates a perception it's easier to vote, harder to cheat. Do those integrity measures actually increase the willingness of people to vote, you think? I I think they do, particularly voter ID. We have a newer system in Kentucky with voter ID. We've got a great secretary of state uh, who's the chief election officer. And the uh, legislature passed election integrity, uh, uh, the election integrity bill last year, and it was assisted by the support of AMAC members, and the Democrat governor signed it into law. And we have these scanners where people would walk up, show me the driver's license, I would flip the license over, I scanned the magnetic strip, the screen popped up, I compared the address, and then uh, the screen told me this person is eligible to vote, and then that's, and only then, where they issued a ballot. And so many people were marked to me throughout the day, I am so glad we have voter ID. I am so glad we have voter ID. So I do believe it gives people a sense of security when it comes to the elections. Amazing. Uh, it, it, uh, it's exactly what people predicted. And now you see it in real action and you witness it with your own eyes. This was quite an initiative that you guys did. It's such a big army that went out and became poll watchers. They're trained, they're educated. They go in, they work uh, with the civic uh, leaders that are running elections. Uh, I assume this went well enough that you, this is going to become an, uh, a regular event for AMAC, isn't it? Absolutely. This initiative uh, now will live in perpetuity, if you will, John. 
Our members responded. We, we learned a lot by conducting the initiative in all the recruiting campaigns that we did. We think we can do a better job in terms of numbers. We think we can even get more engagement. But this initiative is here to stay. And a lot of it has to do with the enthusiasm showed by our members and their response to becoming election workers and poll watchers. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That's such a great thing. And it just creates a level of engagement and excitement and pride in our election system. There's been so much talking down of not only the country, but the election system. And it's the darn best election system in the world. And it's the darn best country. And I think this election, people came out of the election feeling better. They may not have liked all the results, but I think they felt the experience was a little bit better. One place where I think continuing heartburn occurs is in the idea that we're now 48 hours after the election and it could be a week before, maybe a little bit more even, before races are called, shortening up the window when votes are counted. Yesterday we had on the TV show, Scott Rasmussen, who said, listen, it's an 80% issue. Polling shows Americans would love a mandate that said all ballots have to be in by the end of election day and counted by the end of the day. Where's AMAC on that? Do you like that idea? Absolutely. Uh, it, it, as a matter of fact, we supported a number of election integrity issues and bills in state legislatures across the state right after the 2020 election. It was into 2021, including in Georgia, including Arizona, including Florida. And our members overwhelmingly support uh, having this thing, meaning the election, buttoned up, locked up by the end of, you know, by midnight or on election night itself. Uh, we're still counting votes in Nevada. We're still counting votes in Arizona. And it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Look at the Florida model. And I think, John, what this underscores is the need for more work to be done on the state level to convince these legislatures to pass bills because they are the arbiters of the election. They, are, they, they, they manage them. They execute them. They count the votes. So the work has to be done on the state level. And we're looking into expanding our advocacy efforts uh, even more so on the state level, specifically on election integrity issues. Uh, like making sure all the votes are counted on the night of the election. Yeah, it's a popular concept, but it hasn't been sold in each of the legislatures. I think people are going to look at Georgia, Florida, Texas and say, wow, they worked great. And, and you keep seeing these trend lines of increased voting. That has to send a message to the legislatures. And you mentioned Kentucky. It sends a message to the, the legislatures that haven't dove in yet that, hey, maybe this has a big payoff down the road for folks. There are interesting trend lines. I think Republicans were a little concerned that they underperformed. Democrats feel like they slightly overperformed. But there are a lot of interesting trend lines. And I want to see if you saw some of these things. I've been diving into the exit polling. It, uh, one trend that is clear had been predicted, and it does seem to be true. There's very little doubt that Latino voters made a fairly significant shift toward Republican candidates. Did you and your army see some evidence of that on the ground? Absolutely. I saw it myself. I saw it myself in Kentucky because I would see two or three generations of Hispanic families coming in. You had mom, you had grandmom, and then you had the newly minted voter coming in to vote. I checked them in myself and they were all registered Republicans. Wow. That's that's amazing to hear. That's really, really something. Another phenomenon, self-evident, and just when you look at it, you didn't go to Wisconsin, Ron Johnson outperforms Tim Michaels in the governor's race. In Georgia, Brian Kemp outperforms Herschel Walker. All across the country, even in Ohio, which was a, a complete landslide for Republicans, the difference between Governor Mike DeWine and J.D. Vance, significant, multiple points. 
ticket splitting seemed to be more pronounced this election than any time I can remember in a long time. What's your assessment of what's going on? I would agree with you. And I think that the one state that you didn't mention, but I'm sure you were all over and it's in your research, was the uh, split ticket voting in Pennsylvania. You saw voters elect or vote for John Fetterman and then reelect a Republican congressman in Bucks County. So Bucks County's voters voted for Fetterman, okay, and reelected a Republican to represent them in Congress. In four other Pennsylvania counties that were won by Trump, you saw voters select Oz for the Senate, yet voted for the Democrat for governor. So yes, the, the, it, 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 this was not an isolated incident. Yeah, yeah. And so what do you think is driving that? Is it just a misalignment of, of candidates? Is it something that can be fixed with candidate recruitment, or is it a larger uh, issue? I've heard a lot of people in Pennsylvania say, like Oz on television, he didn't feel like a Pennsylvania guy does. He really isn't a Pennsylvania guy. What would you attribute when you look at this sudden pronounced ticket splitting? What's the cure to it? Well, that's a really good question, John. I think it's kind of an all of the above. Uh, You're looking at the portrayal. If you look at Pennsylvania, look at the portrayal of Oz as an outsider. Uh, But they also were heavily aided by two months of early voting and the perfectly timed debate where uh, which was this was all a strategy and they executed it beautifully. You had the debate occurring after early voting, where, where most people that were voting for Fetterman had already cast their vote. Yeah, 600,000 votes, I think, were cast before the debate. I think I saw that number, which is remarkable. It's a huge number. Absolutely. And, and how many, with the vast majority going for Fetterman? I don't have it in front of me, but I think we could probably agree on that, on that observation. So you're looking at, at, at the types of candidates that were run, how they were portrayed. You're looking at the money that was raised, the money that was poured into these campaigns. Uh, to negatively attack the Republican. Uh, you have people that weren't really willing. They were comfortable in some selections. I'm comfortable with this person for governor, but this person's a question mark, so I'm not going to vote for them. I think that it was an odd, um, it's not odd because we've seen split ticket voting before, but I think the times, and you look at the issues, there's some research that shows that the top two issues for Democrats for this election were abortion and gun control, and the top two issues for Republicans were the economy and inflation. I think that drove a lot of the split ticketing. Yeah, how interesting. The statistics are just phenomenal compared to any other election. I've covered every election since 84, and you just see forces at work this year that I haven't seen in a long time. And they're also very encouraging signs for conservatives. I know they were a little frustrated by the ultimate outcome, but you see new alliances, new political coalitions being put together that if they're groomed over the next couple of years, if there's effort of in relationship building can really, really keep going. What was the most surprising thing to you about this election? I think the most surprising thing for me was what happened in Florida. Now, I, you know, I believed that Governor DeSantis was going to win but the, the, when you talk about a red wave, uh, wow, what happened in Florida was historic. And uh, while we were all rooting for this to happen, um, and his influence on that wave, that was remarkable. I think that for me, that was one of the biggest surprises. Also, the unprecedented scrutiny of this election, not necessarily a surprise for me, John, because we worked very hard to get our members and in coalition with other groups to get conservatives working the polls. I hope that this, this, con- this continues because we realize that for 40 years, Republicans and conservatives sat on the sidelines while, we, while the Democrats took over the election process. We wrestled some of it back on Tuesday, and we're going to work very hard to make sure that we perpetuate 
uh, our presence at the polls in in forthcoming elections. We're going to have a big election, the one-month overtime event in Georgia. If it feels like deja vu, it is because it is. A Senate seat is going to be up in the runoff again. Warnock, Walker, what will AMAC be doing, if anything, there? And what is the storyline that is so important about this runoff? Well, the last time that we had a runoff in Georgia, you had some people telling Republicans to sit home, and John, they did. That was back in 20, 2020. They did, and it affected the outcome. We're going to be doing everything we can to make sure that every – we have tens of thousands of AMAC members in the state of Georgia. We're going to do everything we can to encourage our members to vote and every other Republican and everybody and every other, and all people to vote. I should say because you know, we're a nonpartisan organization and that we don't endorse candidates. This is a process that everybody should be voting in it, but we're a conservative group. And we're going to do everything we can to make sure our members vote and to and have them, you know, rent a van or take the minivan, the family minivan, and put 10 people in it, or however many will fit, you know, they want to be safe here, and take them to the polls because that works. We saw turnout, unbelievable turnout. But you know what? Republicans turned out on Tuesday, but so did Democrats. So this is all going to come down to turnout. And we're going to frame the argument as, um, particularly if it's a 50-50 you know, or if it's a 49-48 or, or, or if it's very close in the Senate, you know, where these, this, you know, Herschel Walker being elected could potentially give the, you know, change the balance of power. We're certainly going to spell that out and make sure that our members are well versed in that and how important it is for them to participate. They should participate in every election because of all of the people that died to ensure that we have this precious right and this sacred right as Americans that's uniquely Americans in terms of free and fair elections. That's a point that we always make. But if there's more points to be underscored with regard to how important this particular runoff election will be, we're certainly going to make them over and over again. Yeah, that's it. And it's funny, repetition, the consistency of message makes such a big difference. And there was a muddled message after the 2020 election. And you can see people who voted in November didn't come back in January of 2021 to vote. And that had a profound effect on the outcome. It seems like just watching the last 24 hours, Everybody from former President Trump to Governor DeSantis to Governor Kemp are all on message, which is, if this is going to runoff, get ready to vote again. Get going. Last question for you. There has been a hesitancy on the conservative side to embrace early mail-in voting in the states where it's lawful. And I know it's a principal issue, but in the absence of being able to change those systems, is it time for conservatives to run more sophisticated early voting operations in the states where it's lawful and legal so that the Democrats don't have an advantage on what what are known as low propensity voters, voters who might never show up at the polls, but if uh, given an opportunity to vote from home might. Is there any discussion or should there be a discussion about conservatives being more aggressive on that front? Or did you see signs that it was getting more even in the last election? You know, John, if you talk to our members about mail-in voting, they will tell you they don't want it. They, they, they will tell you that that's where all the shenanigans happen, or a lot of the shenanigans occur when they're tabulating these votes. Uh, even if these votes are verified, even if there's signature verification, which is something that if it's going to be legal and we can't get it off the books, there, then we want to button it up and we want it supervised because Democrats are all about unsupervised elections. That's why you saw the scrutiny that you did on Tuesday. All right. I don't think our members... And I don't know if, if AMAC, I'm speaking you know, as Andy right now, will ever embrace mail-in voting. Uh, it's just too fraught for, uh, for cheating. Uh, the, it messes up tabulations. It delays election counts. And I don't think that there will ever be a, a, a 
a comfortable level of acceptance for mail-in voting among our membership. Yeah, there's no doubt. And you know what? This was predetermined a long time ago. There was a bipartisan commission in 05. I think it was Jimmy Carter and James Baker working together. And they had the same concern, which is if the country moved this way, it would erode trust in elections. And it raised all sorts of concerns that had not previously been considered or a problem in America because we just got up and voted on election day. It's been interesting to see that 17-year prediction come true in the last two elections. Andy, any parting thoughts? You guys are doing such amazing work. There's a lame duck session of Congress. Anything that AMAC's going to have its flashlight on there? Well, we're going to be looking at, we're really setting up the next Congress, okay? We're still working very hard uh, to get a bill that's called the Pharmacy Benefit Manager Transparency Act into any year-end spending package. That's going to be a priority for us over the next month and a half. But I, I do want to just, just, just say this. You know, looking at all the post, the postmortems, here's the bottom line. It looks like the Republicans are going to flip the House, which is always significant. And they potentially have a chance to do the same with the Senate. If you and I were having this election discussion last summer, we would have said, well, we've got a, we've got a decent to good shot at taking the House, but the Senate poses significant challenges. And that's how it played out, John. It did. Yep. And yet very close, right? It's still the fact that it's still in play two days after the election tells you that it was such an unhelpful math because Republicans had so many more seats to defend this year. But the truth of the matter is that no one gave Ron Johnson a chance of winning. He pulls it off. Laxalt could very well win in Nevada. I know a lot of people were depressed, but I think actually from the one year ago expectations, it seems as though Republicans outperformed the one year ago expectations, even where we are now. Is it? Do you see it that way? Absolutely. And, you know, don't discount what Herschel Walker could do in December. That's right. Yep, that could be the overtime football win. There's no doubt. It's interesting to watch. Andy, we love everything we get to do with AMAC. We love having you on for all the great work that you and every AMAC volunteer did this election season. We want to thank you on behalf of our country, a grateful nation, because that sort of civic engagement, that sort of civic pride, it gets contagious. Other people say, you know what? I'm doing it next year. I saw these great people at the polling stations. I want to be just like them. I think you guys have started something that could be a really great infectious trend in elections, which is greater civic engagement. That's pretty exciting. Thank you, John. It's an honor and a privilege. The honor's all ours when you're on this show. We really enjoy it. And we're going to have you on. Or we'll have AMAC on again next Thursday. So uh, only a week away, we'll do it again. Thank you, John. My pleasure. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for the day. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. 
Welcome back, folks. It's time to wrap up today's show. Big thank you to Cash Patel and Andy Mangione. Great conversations about the state of the country, what we learned and didn't learn from the election, what's ahead for Republicans in Congress, what issues are coming over the horizon, all exciting stuff. And remember, if you want to join AMAC, you want to say thank you for their support of Just the News, you can join and get a discount to join by going to AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's easy to remember, AMAC. Dot us slash just news. Go check them out today. Say thank you. Let them know that John Solomon or Just the News sent you. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Thanks for listening. Great honor to have you with us today. Tomorrow's Veterans Day. We've got a special veteran special derived from our television show. It's a really great set of guests. You do not want to miss it. Uh, superstar lineup all around. All right, folks, that wraps it up. Have a great evening. God bless. Talk to you real soon. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events. And you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.